What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? You already know what it is. Yet another bonus episode. Um, It's funny that I keep titling these bonus episodes because, I mean, not for nothing, but they're the only episodes coming out right now. Woo! Um, I, uh, I tried to record a, like, a why we shouldn't care about the election, uh, podcast last night, and I, like, had no motivation to do it. I, um, so, not to, like, air my dirty laundry or anything, but I take psych meds, I take Zoloft, um, and, uh, if I, like, I, I pretty frequently forget to, like, take it, Because, uh, um, I don't actually want to (laughs) my health, I guess. Um, but, like, if I forget to take it, which I have for the last couple days, uh, I get really bad mood swings. Um, so, like, last night, one, like, a wave took over. And I guess mood swings isn't really the correct term, but it's the best term that I I have in my arsenal. It's more so, like, a whole wave just kind of, you know, takes me over. Um, it's not like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you know what? Let's be happy. It's like, I am only happy now and I will feel nothing but happiness for the rest of my life. And then um, like five minutes later, it's like, all right, uh, I am so depressed. So, um, yeah, now that you have an insight into my mental health, um, that happened last night and it wasn't a happy wave. So I ended up, you know, not recording. I had no motivation. I just went and laid in my girlfriend's room. Um, but I think I'm going to try to do that episode, like, talk about that with Troy, my buddy, tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, if not, we will be having that discussion because I feel it's an important one. But today we're going to talk about, um, different things, uh, that are, I don't want to say more important than, but certainly more directly effective things that, uh, we should be trying to focus on. Um, yeah, so, so of course you got, you know, this national election and I, I I mean, I'm probably going to hit on some of the same points that me and Troy are going to talk about tomorrow, but that's fine. Um, one of the problems that comes with our national election, um, is this, uh, huge, huge, you know, open space for what is called, uh, um, undermining propaganda, as Jason Stanley puts it. So basically, the best way to understand what undermining propaganda is, is directly by the definition that Jason Stanley gives, which I obviously do not have. Come on now, you knew this was going to happen. Um, but to paraphrase, uh, Undermining propaganda is a, a, uh, addition or, you know, in, in a voice into discourse that portrays itself to embody a certain ideal while actively working to, uh, erode that very ideal. So take, for example, you know, something like, I don't know. I I always use this example, but I think it's a very good example, and I think it's also something that we as United States citizens have to wrestle with, but um, uh, one great example of a form of undermining propaganda would be the propaganda that uh, surrounds our military in this country, 
So, um, if you are someone who grew up in America, my guess is that the military was portrayed to you uh, your whole life uh, as this uh, beacon of hope in other worlds across the globe, uh, searching for democracy, searching for freedom, and uh, we, as the United States, send our military to those places to combat the evil that is trying to overtake the freedom and democracy that they otherwise could be enjoying, and uh, we murder it senselessly. Uh, But for freedom, and it protects our freedoms as well, so it's good, right? Well, obviously, if you know anything about military, uh, that is super not what they are doing. Um, I'm not going to really roast people who join the military or people who support the military because a lot of times that has to do with your misunderstanding, which is precisely the point as to why I bring up undermining propaganda because the way that our military is portrayed to us is that it is that beacon of freedom for other people and for ourselves, that it exists in the world to not only protect our freedoms, but protect the freedoms of those around the world. That's why we have to spend $750 billion every single fucking year on it, because if we didn't, then people around the world couldn't be free. Now, this is, of course, a obvious version of undermining propaganda, because, again, if you know what the U.S. military does when it goes to another country, you are well aware that the last thing on their mind is quote-unquote, freedom. Here is why this is important to understand. Because, again, this is preached to United States citizens. What the military is and does is preached to United States citizens as being some kind of, you know, ultimate fighter for freedom. So it convinces a large majority of the population to support its existence and support its campaigns across the globe. Now, again, does this necessarily make someone a bad person for supporting the military? No, certainly not. Does it make someone a bad person for joining the military? No, certainly not. Not necessarily, that is. Obviously, some people join these things for bad reasons or support these things for bad reasons, but that's not, you know, that's not the rule. So, obviously, this is not me saying, like, if you support the military, go fuck yourself. But it is important to understand why you support the military. A lot of people who do support the military in this country support the military for the very reason that I just expressed. And that sentiment also translates over to the police. What people don't really make the connection is that the military is the police, It is just the United States police outside of the United States, operating outside of the United States, you know? It it exists the same way that our police in the United States exists. It operates the same way. It does the same things, just with bigger guns, you know? Um, And that that is a, a true picture of what the United States does. The United States exports authoritarianism into the world and imports our freedom. And what I mean by that is we have always been authoritarian. The United States has always been authoritarian. The difference is 
It wasn't always against the people we're seeing it against today. For example, so many people care about, you know, the police acting the way they are and the government acting the way they are because they're acting that way against, quote-unquote, you know, um, the right people, shall we say, um, against these peaceful protesters and stuff like that who are getting tear-gassed, people losing eyes, people getting, you know... uh, severely bruised, broken limb or broken bones and shit like that from rubber bullets. Like people are opposed to that because of who it's happening to. What people do not oppose normally is the military, which actively commits these very same war crimes we're seeing against the United States citizens all over the world all the time. And not for nothing, but our police does this to marginalized quote unquote underprivileged uh, communities in America, again, all the time. So we have always been authoritarian. But what this, you know, great, great, and I say great in that their ability to do this is great, not that they're a good thing, but the propaganda machine that exists in America is fantastic. It has convinced a vast majority of the United States to support something that is completely antithetical to their very own ideals. If you were to ask, you know, an average American on the street, what is the most important thing about America to you? They'd probably say some version of the fact that it is free. You know, guess what isn't free? When you have a massive police force, not only within the United States, but also abroad, that exists solely to uh, create this normative ideal of the way that the world should work, the way people should be, how, you know, life should be, that is, that right there is not freedom. That is authoritarianism, which so many people in this country claim to be opposed to, and yet have actively lived under for their whole life and had no idea about it. So why is this important to the election? Well, because you and I have no uh, representation on the national stage, we have to usually decide between uh, two dumb fucks. This year, of course, is no exception. Um, And why it's important to understand undermining propaganda is because the basis of both candidates' campaign, usually all the candidates' campaigns, is undermining propaganda. The basis of just about every local, uh, state, national election is undermining propaganda. Because that is how you convince people to vote for you. You tell them what they want to hear. You tell them that you are what they want in that office. You do a few things to make them think that that might be true. And boom, they voted for you. And considering that I would say at least 70% of the country does not pay attention to the election until the start of October, um, I mean, this year and the previous year are a little bit different because it was, it's been mostly just a celebrity contest, you know what I mean? Uh, a popularity contest. But because most people don't really fucking pay attention to politics, um, the way that people who are running for government office get those people who don't give a shit to vote for them is by telling them precisely what they want to hear. And that is undermining propaganda because one of the main things that you hear is like, uh, 
well, maybe not one of the main things, but, you know, a, a lot of the big things that you hear is, like, I'm going to bring back, you know, the way things were. We're going to bring back jobs. We're going to fix the economy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, and all of it is in the realm of usually being, you know, free or, li- you know, we're going to fix the economy so you have liberty again. We're going to fix the jobs so you have liberty again. Realistically, that's not not that's not what's happening. What they want to do is when they say, you know, we want to fix the economy or we we want to get jobs back or whatever, they want your money back in, you know, uh, fluctuation. They want your money back in circulation uh, in the general economy. Because take, for example, like the beginning of quarantine when a lot of places were closed down. The reason why it was so problematic is because 57% of our economy has been transferred over to the service industry. And slowly but surely, that number is increasing. Because of that, when it was, one, impossible for people to spend money because they were not allowed to go in stores or anything like that, that stopped a huge amount of money being in circulation. When 50% or more of this country was out of a job for three months, that stopped the circulation of money and the fact that people were scared to spend money because they weren't sure that they were going to have any, you know, that definitely stopped the circulation of money. So we had to create this picture of America that was like, all right, everything's safe again. We can go back to the stores. We can go back to the restaurants. We can go back to the way things were. We're going to fix the economy. We're going to get jobs back and we're going to bring, you know, bring it back to normal. First of all, that's not how history works. History is always moving forward. It's ever-changing. You cannot go back. That is impossible. So if you are voting for someone because of a a rhetoric that they put forward saying that they are going to bring us back to the good old days and fix things and, you know, make them how they used to, they're lying to you because it's impossible. That's, again, not how these things work. The second thing that is important to understand is that What they are saying is that we're going to make it so you can spend money again. Because that's what they want. As long as our money is in circulation, their money doesn't have to be in circulation. Which means they can hold on to it. And it also means that our money then eventually, one way or another, makes its way to them. So again, all of this has to do with the national election because the precise base or foundation of any presidential campaign is undermining propaganda. And this is problematic, not simply just for the sake that politicians are lying. Not for nothing, but we all talk about how corrupt the government is. We all talk about how corrupt politicians are. We all know that all they do is lie. We know it's all fucking theatrics. And then We listen to what they tell us and we vote for them because of what they tell us. So you, you know, that's a problem, but you also completely erase the actual values that are within some of these ideals that are being undermined. Something such as freedom. No one in this country truly understands what a democracy is because we've been preaching that what we have in this country is a democracy for almost 250 years when it never has been. So obviously, over the course of that time, it's going to confuse people uh, as to what a democracy actually is. But not for nothing, 
then that just becomes a buzzword. Because whenever a president says, you know, anything about democracy or freedom, it's a dog whistle for, all right, this is, you know, the, the, the pro-American, pro-settler colonialism, pro-law and order stance. This right here. What I am saying about freedom, this is the pro, you know, American ideals uh, stance. But that's not true because, again, we don't have a fucking democracy in America. We don't have true freedom in America. Nowhere in the world, really, uh, as far as I know, I could be wrong. There could be places I'm not aware of. But as far as I know, there is really no true democracy. The closest thing that I know of uh, that we've seen in recent history is Bolivia. And if you want to learn more about that, I've done a couple episodes on it. I'm not going to go into that. But the reason why we have to focus on these things, the reason why we have to be ultra, you know, tuned in is because that is what can actually lead us towards creating a true democracy in the United States. As Jason Stanley also points out in his book, a democracy is, you know, presupposed on the idea that everyone has the same level of understanding of the very government or, you know, government systems that are in question. So if we have 250 years of undermining propaganda that has completely warped the ideas of, I would say, 90% of the voters in this country towards anything to do with government, you cannot say that we have a democracy. Because a massive portion of our country has literally no understanding about government or politics outside of what they were taught by the American education system, which, if you're not aware, it's not exactly the most trustworthy information. So, again, this becomes a problem because now you do not have an informed populace. If you do not have an informed populace, then if you don't have an informed populace, then what the fuck is the point of voting? Because you're voting based off of no fucking information other than usually what the very person who is trying to get your vote told you. Now, not for nothing, I know it's hard to believe, but sometimes people are dishonest. And sometimes they do that in order to benefit themselves. If we, you know, have it in our mind that so much of, you know, the politics and the government is corrupt, why the fuck do we keep listening to people who are trying to become a part of it? And again, as I was mentioning earlier, we, the working class, you and I, have zero fucking representation within government. Zero zero representation of our interests, of our needs, of our wants, of what will benefit the working class. Because, again, because of capitalism and because of the liberal democracy that exists in this country, you see one group of people make their way to power, whether that power is through elected government office or whether that power is through hoarding of massive amounts of wealth. So, to kind of wrap this little episode up in a nice bow because I'm about to pull into work, what this means is very simple. 
the national election is not important. What is important outside of the context of the national election is what led us there. What circumstances, what reality, what material conditions have gotten us to a point where Joe Biden and Donald Trump are effectively our only two options. And on top of that, what can be done to change that? That is what we should be focusing on. That is what we should be worried about. We shouldn't be caring about some stupid bourgeois politics fucking national election for two people who don't give a fuck about either one of us Um, You know, everybody up on that debate stage a couple months ago during the primaries didn't give a fuck about us except for maybe Bernie Sanders, which I don't even know where I stand on him now, but not for nothing. Again, if you are voting for someone based off of what they said or what you think they will do, you are not operating in reality and your vote essentially is pointless. Your beliefs are pointless because again, you are not operating within reality. The most important thing that we as Americans need to start doing is actively acknowledging our reality. A lot of American governments, governance, a lot of American society is based off of this world of idealism. That is cancerous, and that is what is leading to the problems we are seeing. So until we begin to operate within our own reality and actually acknowledge the problems that we are seeing, how those problems came to be, and how we can solve those problems in an actual, real, material way, things will not get better. But the last thing that we should be focused on, again, is some stupid fucking presidential election. Hope everybody has a good day. I hope everybody's doing well. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Hopefully we'll be able to get that episode with Troy up here soon. Uh, Everybody stay safe and we'll see you next time. As always, it has been your boy. Peace.